0: Hey, don't forget to put February 18th, 2023 on your calendar. This is Mark Gregston, and I hope that you'll join Kirk Cameron, and myself for a wonderful simulcast called Engage, Equipping and Empowering Parents to Raise Teens in a Contrary Culture. Look, this could be something that can change the destiny of your family. It can change the trajectory of where you're headed. You're going to love it. Mark it down, February 18th, 2023. You can find out more at Engage23.com. That's Engage23.com.
1: Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you as a parent gain a deeper relationship with your team. On today's episode, Mark Gregson shares a personal devotional to help you as you walk through life with your team. Let's hear what Mark has to say.
0: There's a scripture that has meant the world to me throughout my life, and it's really upon the foundation of, of this one scripture out of Matthew 11:28 28 through 30, that, that um, I've tried to build my home and, and uh, have tried to uh, build the programs that, uh, and the houses that, that uh, the kids that live with us get to spend their time in. And it's this, in Matthew 11:28 28 through 30, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Recently, I was sitting in a a living room with a crowd of people who had come to see two older folks, um, grandparents who had gotten uh, up there in their years. Each one of them is in their 90s. And so here were four teens in a room and some 50-something siblings sitting around kind of watching what was going on. Uh, Everyone listened as these two oldsters told all their medical stories of the previous six months. And I got to tell you, we all heard about hemorrhoids, calluses, and bunions, and bum knees, and poor eyesight, hearing loss, something getting burned off, chipped off, cut off, urine samples, and the need for another colonoscopy, endoscopy, or some polyp that needs to be removed. You know, and I, and I sat there and I thought, you know, getting old is just not for the faint of heart. Um, I know that I spent a lot of time sitting there thinking, how can I find a fork somewhere uh, in this building where I can give myself a root canal to make this whole experience just a little bit more pleasant? Um The four teens that were sitting there did not utter a word. They were speechless after hearing all this graphic talk about the various health challenges. And the the rest of us sat in the room and just periodically shook our head and went, "Uh uh-huh, and said, and then what did the doctor say? It was two hours of misery and gloom. And as I suffered through it, I couldn't wait to get out of there and away from the discussion I really had no interest in. And, and many people would go, Well, you're exaggerating a little bit. Um, no, not at all. This devotion is really for grandparents, or it may be something that you share with your parents where they get an understanding of the, of the awesome role that they have in the lives of their teens um and I'm con- because I'm convinced of this, if you're a parent, you're soon going to be a grandparent. And we may all be in that position one day when medical issues are about all we have to talk about. Um, and I hope that day for me is a long way away. Uh, I left thinking uh, that, room that I never wanted my grandkids to feel as uncomfortable around me in my home as those teens did that were sitting around listening to the shocking realities of getting old. And then I started thinking, how do I make some people feel just as uncomfortable in other ways? Because I can. You know, I've got four grandkids. Uh, they're ages 20, 15, uh, 8, and 7. And my grandkids always tell me I'm cleaning. If something is missing, they can't find it. They look at me first and say, did you throw it away? My, ba- my daughter tells me that I need to learn how to relax with messiness at my home. And my son-in-law tells me that I can't always have everything perfectly put away. And my wife says I'm obsessive compulsive. And you know what? They're all correct. Um, they're all correct in their assessments. I can make... Just about anyone feel uncomfortable because there is something in me that always cleans. Always. I'm always looking for the next place to clean. Um, Guests that come to my home sometimes become paranoid whether they put their dishes or cups in the right place. and, And family is really always concerned that I'm watching to make sure everything is properly stowed away. We have a young lady that lives with us right now, has been for the last six months. And I said, hey, Kim, why don't you cook a little bit more while you're here? She goes, cook and get your kitchen dirty? I wouldn't think of it. I've scared her off. You know, if someone is missing something, they say that it's me. You know, so I have to work hard to keep my need for cleaning and picking up clutter from getting in the way of the relationships within my family. You know, I can only imagine how many times my kids and grandkids have have looked for for one of their belongings because they put it in the wrong place. Well, to me, uh, it was in the wrong place. So I have always felt compelled to move it to the right place and the right place is wherever I think it needs to go. And they've had to get used to my idiosyncrasies. I mean, it's just the way that I'm, I'm kind of wired. And many times, the way you want your home uh, to be can keep your grandkids from being able to kick back and relax and come and visit. And your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to truly make your home their home. It should be a place of rest, a place that they can kick up their feet, And yet, um, even on your pristine glass top coffee table, they need to be able to consider it their second home. You know, when Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest. He didn't say, come to me and you'll find a way to give yourself a root canal. He said, rest. And I think... I can't think of of any group of people who deserve a place to rest, a place of sanctuary more than your kids or your grandkids. They go out and they do battle every day against a world that works against what they would desire for their own lives. They fight a contrary culture trying to steal their morals, their values, their faith, their relationship, their health, their peers. And the least we can do, the least we can do, is provide a place where they can recharge. And this is why, because they're worn out, they're beat, they need a break, they need some rest, they need a retreat, they need a place where they are heard and listened to. They need a respite that refreshes and invigorates. They are looking for a safe harbor amidst the storm where they can refuel and be understood. And I hope that your kids and your grandkids find that in their own home. But it's never a bad idea to have a backup plan, an extension of love and grace to be found in a grandparent's home also. And I want that to be your home. And I hope that you do too. You know, let me ask you something. What do your grandkids feel when they walk in the front door? Is it Is it a place where they find rest that they need, or is it a place where they're more worn out by the time they leave? Do they tell each other stories behind your back, quietly making fun of the way you do things? Is it a place of avoidance where you know everyone will only get along if there's no talk about politics or religion? Will they bring their friends to meet you? What do they sense from you? Do they feel welcome? Is there always an open invitation? Would they spend the night with you? Do they s- sometimes just want to hang out with their grandparents? You know, there's a number of ways your home can provide a setting for physical, emotional, and spiritual rest. And these include the setting that you design, the atmosphere that you create, the rules of operation, and the conversations that you invite in your home. So so let me c- explain Each one of these. And and I I would start by saying this is more the setting that you design. You know, I I bet your grandkids would love to come to your home and find a place that's warm in relationship, relaxed in its furnishing, and welcoming to every weary and heavy laden teen. And like a favorite restaurant, they, they long for a place where they can be catered to, if you will. I've walked into many a home where everything was in such so much order that it, that it made me look messy. And these homes feel like a sterile environment that couldn't possibly allow the smallest amount of dirt or mess to enter the doors. And I mean physical, literal mess or emotional or spiritual clutter. No controversy or, or messy talk could be found in this home. Um, for, for teens, the welcome mat may as well say, Don't cross this threshold. And then I've walked into some homes where families are so concerned about everything looks on the outside uh, that teens feel like little dirty dishes inside and they better not go anywhere uh, within the home. Performance and appearance reign supreme. Sometimes even at grandma and grandpa's house. And this kind of home is so concerned with how everything looks that little attention is paid to what's happening inside the heart of your grandchild. And as long as grandkids look great on the outside, all is well, and even if they're falling apart on the inside. Do you hear the, the two types of houses I'm talking about? When they were young, you probably taught your grandkids to put away the games, toys, puzzles, and dolls they played with, right? You told them there's a place for everything and everything in its place. And you encouraged tidiness and that supported the 1880s phrase, cleanliness is next to godliness. Admit it. Did you ever tell your grandkids the myth that a messy room means that you have an unorganized mind? Are you still saying things like, square it away, straighten it up? Keep it in order. Clean your room. Well, if your home is an extension of who you are, then what message is your home communicating to your grandkids? What message are the words communicating to your grandchildren? What phrases do you say the most to them? Are you sending a message that says they have to live their lives in order, put together, straightened up, clean, tidy, and everything in its place to be with you, or do you give signals that your home And you are a safe harbor where grandkids and your kids can be a mess. They can fall apart and be less than altogether. And I think your grandkids prefer the latter because it offers a hand of hope. And that kind of message says this, you can fall apart here. Messes are welcome. Which message would appeal to your teen grandchild? Hey, I know about cleaning, and having everything in its place, believe me. So I have to work hard to create a haven that welcomes anyone who's a little disheveled or in disarray. And my wife has a pillow that she has on our sofa, and it and it says this: "A beautiful mess." And and she puts it she puts it there just to bug me. Uh, it's a hard to miss reminder to me to quit cleaning. So this is the setting that you're creating. Okay, what about the atmosphere? The setting has more to do with the physical attributes of your home. The atmosphere has more to do with you. And from the moment your grandkids knock on the front door to the time they drive off, you create the atmosphere many of you know that Jan and I go to Cabo St. Lucas, and, um, and we go to the same place. And uh, it's a timeshare that has been wonderful for us, and we love going there. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's where I've written many books, and, and it's kind of our second home, and it's a getaway from all the hustle and bustle of travel and speaking and living with 60 high school kids. You know, I love this place. I love the food. I love the activity. I love the beach. I love the people. I love it all except for one thing. The way that they greet me within five minutes every time I get out of the taxi. Because someone inevitably asks when they can wi- meet with me so they can sell me something more or, or make me fit their agenda. It grates me. It's not the way to start a relaxing time away from home. So, So here's the question. So when your kids walk in the door, who's the focus of your attention? Their first interaction should not be about what you want or what you had planned. It should be about them and what they want. If you only see your grandkids a couple of times a year, might I suggest that, you, that before they even enter your home that you have some type of communication throughout the year? And that way they know that you have an interest in them beyond a couple of weeks at Christmas or, or just during the summer. And I'd, su- I'd suggest that some ideas that, that might help create the atmosphere that you want to help them engage in the setting that you create within your home. You determine the atmosphere. So do this. Build a fire pit in your backyard and create a place for conversation, not lecture. Sit around the fireplace more. Get tickets to a concert that your grandkids would like to attend, and you take them. Have a few good jokes to tell around the dinner table that will bring some belly laughs or tell some old stories that will bring people to tears. Get that larger flat-screen TV and purchase whatever is needed to play some video games. Get a trampoline, put it in your backyard. This isn't for you. This is for your grandkids. Get a golf cart for your grandkids to drive around. Have plenty of board games to invoke fun and conversation, not bored B-O-R-E-D, games that are hated by all. Or work on a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle of a picture that they like. Cook the meals that they want. Have a refrigerator full of their favorite foods. And get up early and have a wonderful breakfast awaiting them when they get up. Don't have your music, your TV shows, your schedule, or your favorite food, or your plans for games to take over. Don't sit around and talk about your next medical procedure. Nobody wants to hear that. This time is not about you. Remember, you only have so much time with your grandkids until you either kick the bucket or their calendar gets so full and de-emphasizes your role in their life. And so you have one shot during their teen years as a grandma or a grandpa. So make it count. And so and here's a word of the wise. Don't just have activities to fill the time. If your grandkids come over and, and you take them to a movie, remember they can see a movie anytime. They only get a smaller time, a small amount of time to see you. So make some memories. And above all, create an atmosphere where they know they're safe. A good friend of mine reminds me every time I see him that Jan and I are safe in his home. And that is such a relief to me. It gives us permission to be ourselves, to speak what is on our hearts, and to share any concern or frustration that may be on our minds. It's an atmosphere that can only be created through relationship. Okay, so here's some rules of operation and I, I, I know that 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 if you've listened to me this far, you, you know uh, uh, you probably think that that uh, I advocate letting the crazies run the asylum. But just put the kids in charge and everything will be fine. You think I promote just letting the grandkids come to your home and do whatever they want. Not at all. That's not me. I believe in rules to construct the boundaries and limits so that all can function within a relational environment. And grandkids need to understand what's allowed and what's not allowed in your home. So these rules are necessary. You may need to even put up a small sign or a blackboard that says grandma's house rules. And when exceptions are clearly stated, they can be correctly met. And everyone knows what's going to get them in trouble and what won't. You know, kids can still make either good choices or bad choices at that point, but they should know beforehand the limits and the consequences. And so talk them out so that you don't get taken advantage of when you can't hear or see them or when you fall asleep before they do. Here's a few rules I think that you might want to put into play, and one of them would be this. Everyone and everything will be treated with respect second one would be this, you are always welcome here. Anything illegal is not. The third one would be this, this home is a safe place for all. Don't think you're the only one here. Here's the fourth one, bedtime is midnight. The house is locked, the TVs, tablets, cell phones, game systems, laptops, and any other electronic devices are off at that time. Here's another, no use of cell phones during mealtimes. Video games are limited to one hour. The next one would be this. If your parents have different rules, we support and follow them unless they make an exception for your visit. Or we will share anything with your parents we think that might be dangerous to you or others. We don't expect you to, uh, to be uh, taken advantage of, and we don't owe you anything, but we want to give you everything. There will be no rudeness, crudeness, or nudeness. And don't kick our dog. Here's another one. We can talk about anything. Just keep it courteous. And here's another one. You can understand and you must understand there is nothing you can do to make us love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make us love you less. Okay, are you following me here? You're, 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 you're creating the setting. You're determining the atmosphere. You have some rules of operation. And so now you have the opportunity To start having some discussions. So have these conversations. Technology doesn't solve problems or create deeper relationships, but conversation does. Good meals, a welcoming atmosphere, and a relational setting all work together so you have conversations that offer opportunities to share your wisdom and give hope to your grandkids. And another shift in the way grandparents should act is to allow a conversation that reveals the messiness of life in yours and theirs. You need to shift the focus from expecting excellence to allowing failure so welcome their imperfect selves and imperfect lives and their imperfect teens uh, concepts to to integrate the world and stop resonating this perfection mindset. They're old enough now to know nothing and no one is perfect. And anyone who expects perfection is a hypocrite or a fake. And I, I've always mentioned this, that at times, Teen needs to be in the presence of imperfect people as they begin to realize and comprehend that their once perfect world is just no more. And grasping this is tough for kids. It's sad, and yes, it's messy, but making imperfection more comfortable is essential. So remember the scripture that says, For all have sinned and fallen short, and that now becomes a reality. Teens can do more than relate to what Paul wrote to the Romans, you know, when he said, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. This is not the time to be quoting to your teen grandchild. Be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That will only discourage. It's not going to encourage anybody. But admitting imperfection is really pretty easy because you've never been perfect in the first place. No one has this side of heaven. Confession is the key, and, it, and it's and it's it, it's you that's that's relatable to your teen grandkids because you admit that. And, and this should happen in the form of stories of struggle and failure and disappointment, the time you got fired from a job, the hardships you've gone through. Tell your grandkids when it was hard to forgive and easier to hate. Tell them how you handled it when someone picked on you and tell them your biggest disappointments and what you learned later from them. Unfold those conversations at natural intervals and in short stories and walks during games, not lectures um, You know, that are just so drawn out that it'll drive anybody half nuts. Your imperfect conversations are essential to open the door for them to talk about their newly discovered imperfections. Your words affirm their struggle and give them hope that they too can overcome the struggles and difficulties they face in their teen years and will beyond those years. Your words help them identify with you. Your shared experiences connect you. You know, a young father of four once told me that after attending one of our seminars that his dad admitted failure and showed himself to be imperfect. Uh, and, And that was the day that hope was ushered into his life. So I can tell you this for sure. Your grandchildren don't care as much about your accomplishments as much as your stories of disappointment. Your accomplishments may motivate, but your stories bring hope. So be careful of your words and how you come across. The setting, the atmosphere, the rules of your home create a pathway for a conversation that is open and raw, vulnerable and bonding. And it's an opportunity for you guys to engage and be genuine and authentic with one another. In the 1960 book, and I I want to read this to you, um, it's a book by C.S. Lewis, and, and it's called The Four Loves, and he lamented the opposite of such an atmosphere in families at times and affirmed the power of positive words from parents and grandparents alike. He said this, we hear a great deal about the rudeness of the rising generation. I'm an oldster myself, and I might be expected to take the oldster side, but in fact, I've been far more impressed by the bad manners of parents to children than those of children to parents. Who has not been the embarrassed guest at family meals where the father and mother treated their grown-up offspring with an incivility which offered any other young people would simply have terminated the acquaintance? dogmatic assertions on matters which the children understand and their elders don't, ruthless interruptions, flat contradictions, ridicule of things the young take seriously, sometimes of their religion, insulting references to their friends, all provide an easy answer to the question, why are they always out? Why do they like every other house better than their own home? Who does not prefer civility to barbarism? Let me tell you something, grandparents, your home will one day be silent. The chaos of kids and grandkids will be gone. Time moves on and so will your family. So my hope for you is that everyone's memories of your home will be of rooms that are full of love, a kitchen that is overflowing with great scents and walls that echo laughter I hope your home is a place of fun, one of hope, a home of relaxation, and a safe harbor for grandkids that know that they know that they know your deep love for each one of them. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God bless you guys. Um, Grandparents, you got a role to play in the life of uh, your grandkids. Take advantage of it. It's an admirable role and you have an amazing influence on their life.
1: Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, you can visit ParentingTodaysteens.org HeartlightMinistries.org or MarkGregston.com Join us back here tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.